0: Hello world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith, and I'm Coach Schneider. And you're listening to the 160th Church Mag podcast.
1: If we truly follow Christ, we are following one of the greatest leaders of all
0: time. It's easy to lash out when you are angry or disappointed, but to lead with dignity, composure, kindness, and self-awareness, that takes effort, that takes maturity, and it doesn't come naturally. If
2: only it wasn't church taking notice of the world, but the world taking notice of
0: the church. This week's podcast is brought to you by Jeremy's Church Tech devotional titled Rebuilding. This devotional is the best-selling ebook on Church Mag Press and is being used by individuals and church tech teams all around. It is a devotional for church tech by church tech. Learn more about Rebuilding on the Church Mag Press website at churchmag.press That's churchmag.press This week on the podcast, we talk about the pitfalls of Steve Jobs' leadership style and how church tech leaders, entrepreneurs, and others should think about leadership. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can email us directly at podcast at churchmag or use the churchmag podcast hashtag cmagcast, and we'll share your comment or question on an upcoming episode. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag podcast. Eric Dye here along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. Today, we're going to talk about an article in an uh, online magazine website thingy. I don't know what to call things anymore. <laughs> um, called Quartz. And the title is Silicon Valley has idolized Steve Jobs for decades, and it's finally paying the price. And uh, if you follow the Church Mag podcast for a very long time, you've probably heard us be a little bit, um, I don't want to say, scared. Maybe skeptical or no cautious that 'd be the word we 've been cautious about the the over idolization or the focus on becoming like Steve Jobs or running an organization like Steve Jobs or a startup or even as far as running your church tech ministry and we 've always been a little bit cautiously cautious about that, and you know what this article flushes out not only props that up but is is a real food for thought in how we lead as church tech uh, and maybe even in the church in general. I just thought
1: just the idea that, um, that meanness, that rudeness, that, um, um, irascibility and unpredictability were seen as, you know, positive, you know, attitudes and trends to get people to, to work harder, to do better. Um, you know, and ironically, here's a, so I'm going to make a political statement here, and I don't mean to make people angry, okay? But Silicon Valley has more or less worshipped at the altar of jobs, you know what I'm saying, ever since his ascendancy at Apple, and especially after his passing. You know, the same people, the same people cannot stand Donald Trump. Yeah, their management styles are not that different.
0: Yeah, it it says here in the article, it says, and this is a quote from Walter Isaacson's biography on Steve Jobs. He said uh, that he didn't just create a Hollywood hit. He created a manual for any bosses seeking a hall pass for their temper tantrums, along with recounting Jobs' blistering behavior and his, quote, Perverse eagerness, unquote, for putting people down. Isaacson remarks that people who were not crushed ended up being stronger. Wow, that's that's uh, that's that's pretty heavy. It, it goes on to say that that uh, employees who were most abused by Jobs ended up accomplishing things they never dreamed possible thanks to his harsh treatment. Now, to you know, maybe Jeremy can say something to this. It, it almost. You know, it's that idea of you know what what doesn't break you will make you stronger, or you know, kind of these almost almost like tough guy personas. And it reminds me of Stockholm syndrome. You know, the, these people who are abused then are endeared to their abuse. Well, like any, I mean, I don't want to
1: by saying this I don't want to minimize this, but like it's like domestic abuse when, when women. You know, I've, got, I've, had, I've had to deal with women through. uh through ministry who are like, they're with terrible men and the men are abusive and all they do is defend them.
2: Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing about this is, and this is a difference is it's Stockholm syndrome is just wanting to stay with the person as opposed to something like this. It's an idealization of what's going on because they want to have the success that Steve jobs did and think because they see jobs acted this way, that's how they're going to have su- success. And then they see people like Jeff Bezos and um, the, I can't remember the guy's name that's did Uber. Um, it don't matter. He's, he's going to get ousted pretty soon. So don't worry about it anyways, they treat their employees like crap as well. I mean, at least from the, the headlines have been reported. Um, Jeff Bezos is, um, one of the most ruthless guys in America right now, in the sense that whenever he wants to make more profit, he decides he makes more profit. And sometimes that means making sure that someone else is not getting paid in his staff. And the guy in Uber is willing to cut Every corner, at least from what the reports say, including trying to misuse how Apple has their apps and how that he treats his employees and even how he treats his customers. And so there's just this mentality of win at all costs, no matter what.
0: Right. And the, these guys have a lot of people working with them. So, you know, maybe, maybe some uh, with jobs is pretty direct. And with these other guys, you know they do have people working for them, but they, you know, it's still it still is a top down situation. Okay, but you know, even Musk recently had a lawsuit uh, come out about how much he was underpaying his engineers. Okay, so there, there's another example of of people being undercut in in the tech realm as well. And then uh, to compound that issue, I recently read an article talking about the the inflated concept of bootstrap companies and startups you know they're talking about you know startups are known as being you know like the cool thing and very profitable and stuff like that and this person's article broke down the numbers the raw numbers of how startups are in and, and, and to talk about you know hustle and all these kind of things it turns out that these a lot of these startups aren't even really successful at all you know they're they're poor it's this this kind of like jobs mentality of of just overly investing your life entirely to a point of absurdity.
2: So my question is how could, how, if this is a Christian sitting in this position, how should they be acting? And then what is this takeaway as far as church tech with this process? What should we be holding on to? How should we
0: adjust? I think that, you know, as, as church tech leaders, we should, we should really be, you know, while, while, Okay, clearly Apple is a successful company. And so there are some, there probably are some some core concepts that we can, we can take and we can learn, but we still need to remember that, you know, with Apple or with Amazon or any of these companies, as far as leadership styles, that, you know, our example for leadership needs to be servant leadership. I, I think the Bible outlines leadership in a far more healthy way, and we just need to be careful that we don't. That we don't just take these things hook, line, and sinker. We need to we need to measure it up for we need to measure it up to what the what what the Bible says, and, and 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 behave and take that approach, and not just take these guys that are successful by the world standards and say, hey, we should emulate that because they seem to have been quote unquote successful.
1: Well, I, I think my question here is, you know when we try to emulate someone just to do their success, how do we know that one trait we've picked out is the secret sauce? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I've always wondered how people realize, like when the folks say, you know, so-and-so is a great coach. We should, and th- their method was this. Well, how do you know that was the one method that, that one part of that method is what, what uh, made them successful? Or when uh, like with churches, you know, well, Willow Creek does this thing here. Well, how do you know that's the one thing that made Willow Creek successful? that's like you can't prove that that's the one thing that made them successful and then two how do you know they didn't succeed in spite of that leadership
0: yeah i've seen i've seen stuff out there you know this church spent 45 dollars a week on facebook ads and got you know 50 new visitors or i've seen stuff like that in the church set community and you know, red flags go up. I'm thinking that's that's just not a magic magic thing. So then I, I think of all the pastors, you know, especially here we are in the quote-unquote summertime slump when a lot of people go on vacation or are on vacation because it's the summertime, you know, and, and they're a little bit, they're, they're they're tempted and maybe scrambling a little bit, and they're just like, well, what, what do we got to do to grow? What do we got to do to bring more people here? And instead of looking at the mission as Christ has outlined it, they see... Somebody in the church tech space, somebody that they trust, talking about if they spend X amount of dollars on Facebook ads, they're going to get new visitors. And how many just blindly go do that? They don't even follow all the, the proper procedures, right? And they just end up throwing money at Facebook instead of throwing money towards a program to help the widow, widows and orphans.
1: I think it's a fantastic, fantastic question. Because this is where, okay, I'm going to throw out a catch-22 scenario here, okay? This is where sometimes in churches, the way they're structured, either you have a church where the pastor is in charge and does what they want, and you get situations like this, where there's, some, I don't want to say reckless spending, but like not well thought out spending, okay? And then sometimes you get churches where like the board, the elder board, deacon board is in charge. And there's never an attempt to, like, they're in charge. And generally, you need know, a group of people like that in charge. It's not because they want to revise and renew. It's because they want to conserve. <laughs> and, and and in that, you get churches that don't do anything. They do nothing at all. Um, and so I think it's you get churches who do too much of the wrong thing. You churches who do nothing at all. And it's partly because... Um, Their structure, the way they're structured, there's not some sort of, the pastor has the vision and the passion, the board has counsel and wisdom and questions, and those two combined, you can kind of create a strategic way to move forward as opposed to moving forward in 10 directions
2: or or not moving forward at all. I think that in my experience working with churches, senior pastor doesn't even know Steve Jobs' leadership style and would say that that was a terrible way to lead, and yet themselves are probably leading in a very similar manner. At all churches, I think there's a lot of great people out there. There's a lot of churches that have a great heart, and yet because of exhaustion, because of frustration, because of who knows what, they are leading like Steve Jobs. And so I think that there's a issue there.
0: Yeah, and I think that you know, bring up this topic, clearly, you know, our, our focus tends to be a little bit more regarding church tech. And whenever you're, you're talking about leadership, it's easy to branch it out towards other models, whether it be business, the nonprofit world, ministries, churches, et cetera. It's easy to, to apply that to, to these other areas. And, you know, as church techs who people, you know, we know who Steve Jobs is. So, you know, we can't always, have a direct effect on maybe the pastor of our church that maybe behaves like Steve Jobs. But if we're a church tech leader, we can behave the right way. And through that example, and in, 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 in being proactive and leading differently and leading better, you know, that gets noticed. And it might not affect change today, but it most definitely will affect change tomorrow as those that you are leading and those that are, you are working with see it, feel it, know it enjoy it and hopefully it replicates in them and and through that we end up giving a you know a a overarching change over the over the next generation
2: question is is it enough
0: well i don't know if it'll be enough or not i just you know you can only control you you can't you can't you can't reach inside of other people and and flip a switch um so y- your best bet usually is, is to live it out for other people to see and, and let the Holy Spirit do the rest.
1: I think that in the end, if we're going to emulate one person's leadership style, can we emulate Jesus who invested time to train leaders? That's one thing. Like, we don't want to invest time. Like, pastors should be pastoring people one-on-one. Pastors should be pastoring their staff. And they lead people forward over time, then empower them to lead others. That's what we should be doing. And
0: and that's the key to, that's, that's the key that right there, what you outlined is the key to ending your lack of church tech volunteers. Because so many times, you know, you just, you, you get stuck in the sound booth or, you know, whatever, and you fail to replicate yourself and it leads to burnout because you've, you've, you've failed to replicate yourself through others. If you're making, if you're making church tech disciples, so to speak, then you're not going to have a shortage of, of volunteers. Am I right?
2: Is it that simple? I think it is. I think that Steve Jobs would score really, really well on a lot of personality tests that we would take with the church, like the Myers-Briggs and other things. Um, I think that he has success and he has results. I think that if he were in the church he probably would be very popular and yet could still have that same mannerism. And so we look at people in the church. When we interact with those, I think there's a couple of different ways that we should and could look at people. It's that mentality of what the, what scripture says and the relationships with people. And then there's what we deemed desirable and what I think man has. And too often I think that we try to do the second one when the first one is always the correct option. I mean, the idea of wanting to have a king, this is from scripture. We want to have a king, we want to have a king. And God's like, You do not want to have a king. It's going to bring you such heartache. We want to have a king. We want to have a king. It's not going to help. Don't do this. I you it's not the right way. We need to have a king. We don't care what you say. <clears throat> We're going to put a king in place, even if you don't want it. And things crash and burn with Saul. And so God says, you know what? Fine. You put this on yourself. I will give you a king, but I don't think it's the best thing for you, but this is the best option. And so he gives him David. Even David, out appointed did not have as much success as what God was able to have. Now we would say that David was able to conquer places, but what what God values is different in that process. And I think that that's a really difficult thing to point out to people in the whole realm of working in the world. And so sometimes we're talking two different languages, which is sometimes difficult.
0: Yeah, is it, is it better to have a church tech team that builds one another up, that has healthy volunteers who are healthy and not overextending themselves? Is that a church tech team, good church tech team? Or is a good church tech team one that never makes a mistake on the slides, who has perfect sound design, never misses a cue? Which is a better church tech team? What is your church tech team aiming for? I think that's kind of a softball answer. If I'm being honest,
2: I think it's what about this, which is better for a church tech team? Someone that makes every single church tech team appointment or one that's, um, is willing to be with their family even whenever it's difficult or show up Sunday morning, even though they just got into a huge fight with their wife or is willing to sacrifice, um, quality time and sleep and their health, just so that they can get a little bit of more compliments from the church. I think that's a lot of where the unhealthiness comes from.
1: Well, I think, I think, yeah, we do sometimes, um, because leadership of the church lives for the church and they do expect, um, lay people to live for the church. And I don't know that that's necessarily healthy. Um, actually, I know that's necessarily not healthy, <laughs> And if you want, if our goal is, you know, to produce disciples, then our goal should be absolutely to um, encourage healthy lifestyles.
0: Yes. And this article wraps things up like this. It says it's simple. The worse we feel about ourselves as people, the less we are able to make good choices and perform to our highest potential. Making your employees or in this case, volunteers feel terrible about themselves isn't just an ineffective leadership tool. It's also just plain lazy. It takes no special skill to scream at someone. It's easy to lash out when you are angry or disappointed, but to lead with dignity, composure, kindness, and self-awareness, that takes effort, that takes maturity, and it doesn't come naturally to most of us. Now, keep in mind the context of this article. This is not this is not a quote-unquote Christian article. This isn't a religious article at all. So, even in the even through the lens of a probably non-biblical worldview lens, they're able to identify something that the scriptures outline for us as a healthy leadership style. And I, I, I find that pretty remarkable. And it we should take notice. If
2: only it wasn't the church taking notice of the world, but the world taking notice of the church.
1: I mean, you know what? That's a great point, Jeremy. I mean, I've said before that if we truly serve the God of the universe, we should be the center of of creativity and innovation, and I think it applies here too. If we truly follow um, Christ, we are following one of the greatest leaders of all time, who led with self sacrifice, who led with love and concern for um, all people, and that's how that's how we should lead. And if we, and if we do that, then we will be the one who sets the pace for leadership in the culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, a lesson to be learned for church tech teams, as well as church tech businesses, small businesses and entrepreneurs, something that uh, I think I think we all need to think about. Send us an email and subscribe and search for previous episodes at the Church Mag podcast by visiting Church You'll find a link on the main menu. Go to churchm.ag. That's churchmag, churchm.ag. And if you get a chance, we would love for you to leave an iTunes review. Or better yet, tell your church tech friends about ChurchMag. Until next week.
1: The ChurchMag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com.